0: It's five minutes past eight here on The Forum and Eight. Today we're talking about tourism within the country, tourism by South Africans. Now, former President Nelson Mandela's passing away has given South Africa's tourism sector a breath of fresh air. Mandela's name alone is a tourist magnet. And now a World Heritage site, Robben Island, where Mr. Mandela spent 27 years in prison, is among the country's biggest tourism attractions. On the forum this morning, we're exploring some of those popular attractions, the lesser known ones, those hidden gems and destinations, perhaps in the country that you visit, but we don't go to. So tell us about those places. I'll focus today on four particular provinces. So it's a two-part discussion. Today, we'll be discussing these four provinces, the Eastern Cape, KZN, Limpopo, and the Free State. We'll get to the other five provinces during tomorrow's discussion on the forum at eight. So in part one, let's examine the those four provinces and you can feel free to sms or call us to share your favorite vacation destinations this festive season or like some of you have been saying parts of the eastern cape east london for example have been your favorites but no longer so tell us why 34701 give us a call 0891 you can also uh, email to us at am live on safm tweet us on am live on safm To join me in this discussion, I have in studio Tulani Nzima, who's the CEO of SA Tourism. Tulani, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Good morning.
0: on the line, I'm joined by Cameron Iwitt-Smith. Cameron, good morning. Thanks for your time.
1: Good morning. It's great
2: to
0: be here. Hello, Tulani. Good morning to you. And uh, Cameron, of course, is the editor of Getaway magazine. Cameron, you're, you're no stranger to finding those hidden gems in the country, are you? No,
2: it's kind of what we do. That's what I get paid for, I suppose.
0: <laughs> and Talani, uh, you, yourself, do you often look for those hidden gems as, as tourism essay? Or is it about the bigger destinations, the, the Durbans, the Cape Towns and Joburgs?
1: Well, I'm much more beyond just the bigger destination. I have made it my task to visit all the provinces. In fact, we are busy with a special project called the Connections 9. The Connections 9... Signifies our intention to visit all the nine provinces so that uh, we, we go beyond the ivory tower kind of syndrome where we're sitting at head office and talk theoretically about the tourist attractions in the country. But it also includes us going out there to find the hidden gems. And I'll talk more about those hidden gems that Mm. we have just discovered.
0: I I think there's a lot of South Africans who feel you have a very enviable position, being able to visit parts of the country and visit all nine parts of the country and and finding those hidden gems. It it must take you into some very interesting destinations.
1: It it does. Uh, But on the other hand, I think it's a a very serious indictment on us as South Africans that we wait for foreigners to tell us how beautiful our country is, and we know nothing about it ourselves. So it makes sense that we be the first ones to go out there and sample those very attractions that draw million other tourists to come to our country year in and year out. But besides that, we have to be the ones that know the hidden gems in our uh, various provinces. The challenge that we set out there is every province has to be able to point out what are the top must see tourist attractions. And it's a very interesting challenge that if you have 10 people in the room and you throw this kind of question to them, chances are you'll have 10 times 10 different options. Uh, The idea is to force them to kind of come to some consensus where they believe that if you have guests that you yourself are hosting, where would you take them to? Rather than them telling you that we would like to go and see the big hole in Kimberley, You have to tell them, if you are coming from the Northern Cape, Kimberley is a must-see kind of tourist attraction. They must also go and see the the flowers, and then so on and so on. But uh, that that is not what we've been doing as South Africans. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing South Africans revealing something that I I myself have not been exposed to. Yes, it is a nice uh, opportunity for me to visit provinces when I do have the time, Uh, and, and, and besides that, we make sure that we meet with all the key stakeholders in the various provinces mm. to discuss exactly what it is that we can do to improve tourism in the various provinces. I the challenge t- that you will know is that there are those kind of tourist uh, routes that are very well known. People come here, they will know about Cape Town. They know about Table Mountain. But very few of them will tell you about something like dinogang uh, Maruping, the cradle of humankind.
0: And I wonder if that's our fault as South Africans, because when we talk about places to visit in the country, we do talk about the Cape Towns and the popular holiday destinations. Cameron, how, how true is that allegation that South Africans aren't really visiting many parts of the country, and if they do, they visit the popular sort of hubs?
2: Yeah, I suppose it's, I mean, it's very true, of course, but then we also have a very complex time in our history. Um, we have quite an established group of people in the country who've traveled quite a lot historically and we have uh, a group of people moving into middle class for the first time who are going to start traveling for the first time what amazes me and it was really interesting hearing um tulani's thoughts there i think there's a there's an issue here around partly south the south africans want to travel you know Mm. we want to go out and see our country and, and every person i've ever spoken to has got aspirations to do things they're usually not the same aspirations as, you know, a, a European traveller. What's interesting about the industry is there are large parts of the South African tourism industry who have become absolutely focused on this foreign dollar, and they ignore South Africans. And, and I, I don't know if that happens anywhere else in the world. I can't. I mean, imagine a European te- tourist destination kind of saying, "Oh no, we're only really aimed at Europeans." I mean, it, it's crazy. Mm. So. I think the way that South African tourism and South African tourism organizations market to South Africans is, leaves a lot to be desired, um, but, they, but we're getting better. And Who, who no, would you
0: say are the biggest culprits? And, and I don't want to beat down any particular city, but Cape Town's often been accused of being this, this metropolis, this Eurocentric sort of environment, and, and the, the shops know that. And so they kind of cater to that foreign dollar, the, the, the euro that comes in every year
2: everyone, isn't it? I mean, if you go, I mean, if you, I have just been on a trip to the luxury lodges east of Kruger, and uh, we were particularly looking for establishments that would actually suit a South African, um, because the way South Africans travel is also a little bit different from foreigners. But a number of times i bumped into places who kind of, they, they almost said, oh, we're just interested in foreigners. We, we don't really look to South Africans. And I had that sort of, oh, gosh, is, could that really be true? I, I mean, this is massive market right here, and you're going to ignore them because you want to tra- attract a, a tourist from London or a, for New York? Seems odd to me. Seems odd. And and there's too many people doing it. Um, but But that also, you know, it means that locals can find places that are not... So um, foreign orientated, and there's lots of them. Well, and that's what
0: I was going to ask. I mean, what's the pricing like, Talani, Maybe maybe you can help us with this. What what's the pricing like in those gems, those uh, those hidden, secret, lesser talked about, lesser known destinations? Are they still priced as highly as, as Cape Town is, or are they more you know moderately or better priced for South Africans to travel?
1: Well, let let me deal with the point that Cameroon has raised earlier. First, the, the issue of uh, targeting foreigners as the main source of tourism to South Africa, it's, it's a little bit distorted in a sense. Our focus is South African tourism is to promote both domestic tourism and uh, international tourism. If you look at the balance of tourism that arrives in the country year in and year out, uh, upwards of 70% consists of domestic tourism. I'm talking now the total tourist activity in the country. Upwards of 70% is domestic tourism. And when you look at the long-haul tourism, upwards of 70% comes from the regional African market. So it makes sense. Uh, Yes, there may have been some bias in terms of looking at the international tourists because of the currency issue that traditionally has benefited South Africa. But uh, you we're seeing more and more African countries that are spending in hard currency. If you look at the contribution in terms of uh, the the, re- the direct uh, tourist spend that we generated last year, we generated uh, 76 billion rand last year on direct tourism spend. 45 uh, billion of that came from the regional African markets. So there is a, a bit of hard currency that is coming through. But uh, I think Cameron is correct in saying the way that we have marketed uh, the products in South Africa to a large extent has been biased. We The pricing, though, becomes a little bit complex because South Africa has got a variety of tourist ex- experiences that range from the, the low cost to the most opulent you can find. Uh, without mentioning particular uh, attractions, in South Africa, you can spend up to 15,000 rand a night in one tourist attraction. You can also... F- spend 500 rand in one different experience mm. but the beauty of it is the fact that if you spend 500 rand you will feel like it was worth your money and the guy who spends 15000 rand will feel they've been treated like a king or queen but the the difficulty really is whether the establishment that charges 15000 a night is pacing itself positioning itself as part international and part of a domestic attraction it becomes very difficult to find South Africans who can afford to pay 15,000 rand a night. And therein lies the risk that if we do not begin to generate interest around domestic tourism, that market that is at the 15,000 range, easily dries up when the economic conditions change. And we have learned our lessons in the past few years. When we had the global economic meltdown, the, the countries that suffered the most were the long-haul destinations. And if you do not build sufficient domestic tourism reservoir, you will be very exposed. Even as an establishment, if you do not have a range of mm. pricing that allows you to fill the valleys with local tourism, in fact, you are at risk.
0: I, I want to still get to the the main part of this discussion, the the secret gems, and I think we need to do that. But just just one final point on this: Is it possible for a, for a for a, an accommodation to have two different pricing strategies? No. One for a local, one for a foreigner.
1: Well, no, it's, it's not uh, possible. I'm not I'm not sure if Cameron will see <laughs> this possible. You no, know, it's yeah. not possible. And I think it, typical examples where you you come nearest to practicing this kind of. Uh, price discrimination, will be at national parks.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. When you yeah. go to a national park, you're asked to present your passport, and a foreigner is charged more. Cameron, what what do you think of this?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people have theoretically took, discussed that everywhere mm. in the world, and nowhere... I, I'm, I, I'm not sure I'm 100% right, but to my knowledge, nowhere has actually managed to implement such a, a pricing strategy successfully. Um, you know, it's just really hard because you also don't want to scare away. I mean, what Tulani was saying earlier is absolutely right. I mean, foreign tourists to this country are critical. Um, it, you know, it, it's such an important part of our economy, and we need to grow that and nurture it and make sure that we're doing everything 100% right. I think we've got to be careful with our pricing, and I think we've got to find that middle road pricing. Um, my, my perception of African prices, is are not just a South African problem. This is a, a regional problem. We are an expensive destination um, you know you can You can hire a, a villa in Tuscany for you know a lot cheaper than you can hire a villa in tanzania and and then you start asking questions about how could how could that possibly be you know how could you How could you be paying less for a villa in in italy than in than in Tanzania? So I think we've got to be we've got to be careful about the pricing. Um, I don't think two prices works. I think you've got to treat everyone equally. Um, but I think that there's just such an opportunity for for organisations to not maybe do dual pricing, but to run regional specials or to run loyalty schemes. So I'm just off the top of my head. On know wilderness safaris, has started a a, a a locals or or a regional um, loyalty scheme. Um, I don't know how successful they've been with it, but it's an organization going, hey, why don't we try to make ourselves more affordable to a local market? So, I don't think there's an official you know, approach that you can do, and you say, okay, we're well, right, we're going to have dual, price, dual pricing. But, gosh, the opportunity's there, guys. I mean, if, if there are operators out there You've got a whole lot of South Africans, and you've got empty beds, and you've got a price. Mm. Yeah, come on, it's special, it's last minute, it's, and we've got these beautiful social media tools to make that happen in the modern sense. In a modern sense, you can sell a hotel room in a day if you've got a nice, if you've got the right access to audiences, and and the audiences are out there. So, you know, it's a it's a marketing challenge to be to be grasped and to be realised. Um, I I I just think that. I think there are a lot of operators in South Africa who, you know, they, they're doing exactly what they've done for years and years and years. They've looked to their traditional markets. They've looked to foreigners. They've looked to, you know, the sort of established, you know, middle class. And they, they haven't moved their marketing message an inch to say, well, well, with the exception of someone like Sun International moved their marketing and they're definitely targeting a new you know, breed of traveler coming into the market, which is somebody who maybe doesn't want to camp. Maybe they do want an urban experience, et cetera. And those brands that move now and attract this group of people as they come into the middle class are going to succeed. They're going to succeed in the long term and...
0: Yeah. Anyway. Well, let's, uh, let's invite our callers to call in, 891 104 We're going to take a short break, and I'm also inviting the CEOs of the various provinces. Uh, tourism SA does have CEOs in each of the provinces to look at tourism, and the four provinces we'll be looking at today, the Eastern Cape, KZN, Limpopo, and the Free State. We'll start with the Eastern Cape right after this.
3: Thanks to Telcom
2: Business, I can start my next business venture with confidence because from the get-go, I'll have fast uncapped ADSL.coza domain registration hosting with storage and email. Yep, that's going to be the next big thing, only bigger. Just as soon as I figure out where the next venture is going to be. Get an uncapped deal from Telcom Business and get your business going for the promotional price of $3.99 a month. Call 10213, visit telcomshop.coza or go to a Telcom store. T's and C's apply. Rethink uncapped. Telcom business is it a bird
1: is it a plane no it's just leonard wearing his red underpants over his jeans really leonard it's so easy to be a hero just pop into pg glass for a free windscreen safety check it takes five minutes and could save your life enter our competition and you could win a trip for four to disneyland usa and weekly prizes follow us
3: on facebook to see if you're a winner isn't that awesome t's and T's apply be a hero be safe on the road PG Glass, 860 30303 03, 03. The Forum at 8 on SAFM.
0: 22 minutes after 8. So where are you going this festive season? Are you traveling in South Africa? How much are you going to spend? And where are you going to go? Are there some hidden gems that you'd like to tell us about? 34701 or give us a call on 891 104 208. Let's start with talking about the Eastern Cape. We've been receiving SMSs from Tabor this morning, who says the Eastern Cape used to be the place to go, but don't waste your time, he says. Don't go to the East London. Don't waste your money there. But there is a very hidden gem called Hugs Back which he thinks is a great place to go to. Tilani, what would you say about uh, the Eastern Cape?
1: Well, uh, I think every province continuously reinvents itself. And the, the trick about uh, visiting any province is not to make it a bucket list. A uh, bucket list is something you tick and say, I've done it and I'm not going there anymore. So you need to make it a continuous experience. And the, the thing to do is to always go and discover new things. Uh, I undertook I, I, I a trip to the Eastern Cape. Uh, I think it was a wonderful experience for me. Where I, did you go? Well, I I went to the Tsitsikama region. And I went to East London. I went to Port Elizabeth. But the adventure experience that I discovered uh, at runs, where we hold as South Africa, before I talk about the Eastern Cape, mm-hmm. the highest bungee jump. When the CEO of the Eastern Cape comes online now, he will tell you that him and I took a plunge and jumped at this exhilarating adrenaline-pumping 216-meter bungee jump. I don't think Tabo has done that.
0: Well, let's ask him. I, his... I
1: don't think he's done the zipline as well in the Eastern Cape. He may have gone into the city centers and if he talks about, oh, it's no longer exciting, find something else that is exciting. And I have discovered the Eastern Cape differently. But there's also a rich vein of history and culture in the Eastern Cape. Change tech. Don't go to the Eastern Cape every year and go to Port Elizabeth beachfront in, year in and year out. I've I've, I've got
0: the SA Tourism uh, CEO in the Eastern Cape on the line for us, Lukolo Rubushe. Thank you very much for joining us. How did it feel taking the plunge with uh, the SA Tourism CEO?
4: I made the mistake. Good morning to you and good Good morning to my other listeners. I dared him. I said, (laughs) if he jumps, I'm going to jump. And I must say, I was hoping that he's going to check it out. But uh, he was extremely keen uh, to jump, and uh, he jumped ahead of me. And there uh, I followed him. But uh, as he correctly points out, uh, it's an experience like uh, no other uh, when we went down there. So it was really great. And I think even for him to to come and see what we have, because at the time he was looking for unique experiences in the Eastern Cape.
0: So what is that unique experience in the Eastern Cape? Where's that one place that, that you like to go to in, in the province?
4: One of the great things about the Eastern Cape is just the variety of experiences that one uh, is able to enjoy. Uh, Mr. Zuma at time said he you normally know, has got about five minutes to talk about South Africa when he travels internationally, and he wants very very quickly to be able to lift those that come from our own province. So I think the first one that he's already touched on is uh, the bungee jump that is in not blow uh, which is the longest bungee jump on a functioning bridge uh, in uh, <clears throat> in the world. So uh, that's that's that one. Um, the second one that we've got um looks at snow. We've got a place called Tiffendale in South Africa. Um it's around the roads. And in there we actually have got snow uh, 24/7, twenty four seven three sixty five. So people can actually come to the Eastern Cape and do a uh, skiing. And in fact when uh we he did come, um it was winter and uh, the place was actually fully people So it gets a uh, I fully book uh, quite uh, quite
2: often.
0: Cameron, uh, your, your thoughts on, on the one place in the Eastern Cape that you'd like to go, or can't, have been? One
2: place. I can't, can't <laughs> give one place in the Eastern Cape. You know, I, what I was going to say about Tabu's SMS yeah. is Eastern Capes. A lot you know, you can't brush the Eastern Cape with one brush and say, Oh I know Eastern Cape's not a place to go. Right. It's a it's ai v I'm I'm heading there on Saturday. I I holiday just outside PE in a little place called Kenton every year, just about my family home well my my family has a home there, um, lives there permanently. So to me the Eastern Cape is very special. I I'm very fond of Port Elizabeth. I just love the city. I, I like East London, even though, you know, I, I hear people saying, Oh, East London's not what it was. Yeah, maybe it's not what it was, but I still like it. My one special, oh, you yeah, know, many too many. You can't ask me one. <laughs> I think the reserves along the yeah. coast, Suleika, Dwesa, Nkambati, very special. The Wild Coast, you know, those family holiday resorts along that coast? Man, that's some of the best holidaying you can have in the country. Um, we wrote about a little place just inland, a little, a little reserve called Fort Fordyce. Beautiful views. Um, never heard of it. When the journalist came back and said, oh, yeah, I found this place called Fort Fordyce, I was like, where? Fort Ford? That nah, doesn't exist. But it was a beautiful nature reserve, really, really high quality. Um, Taba mentioned Hogsback, special. Sorry, I can't give you one. I'm giving you all of them. <laughs> you know, it's, put, it, put it to you this way. I, I think that, look, there are, there are problems in, you know, in, in the Eastern Cape as well. Mm. It, would be, it would be churlish to try and pretend that there aren't. But you know what? I would encourage South Africans to go out and look for the places which aren't problems. And there are lots of them in the Eastern Cape. And, you know, I've mentioned a couple. And the more we travel to those places, the more tourism becomes important, the more that people start to take us seriously as tourists. It means that the safety and security ministers start to make sure their police officers are working properly so that crime comes down, because whatever you do, you can't scare away the tourists. Hey, it's a very important economic driver, and, Yeah.
4: Well,
0: anyway, I love Cape. It, it seems this reputation, though, does proceed it. Bongani also writes in about East London and Ghanubi, he says, are the filthiest areas in the world. I, I don't know if it's the filthiest in the world. He says, potholes and rubbish everywhere, it's quite disgusting. Look, Olo, joining me from uh, SA Tourism CEO in the Eastern Cape, I, I mean, what, how do you defend against these allegations that, that it's the dirtiest place in the world? Yes,
4: I think a lot of people who come to the Eastern Cape, especially those that have been coming here for a while, and have got high expectations. Mm. And I think it's also fair to say that uh, there's generally been um, quite a lot of uh, uh, debt, I would say, especially in the East London area. We're actually having a discussion with Buffalo City Municipality, and uh, we've seen efforts of actually stepping up the cleaning exercise. And I think what has been happening is that over time there's been a huge influx of people, especially informal traders. If one looks along uh, Oxford uh, Street, and I think that now demands additional effort in terms of making sure that we are able to clean that that up on a regular basis. Um, and I must say that the Papendrecht <clears throat> municipality is doing a wonderful job in terms of trying to counter that uh, in beautifying the city. If you are looking at the lighting, but I do agree that a lot more effort, especially around this time of a tourism, needs to be put in place in terms of just making sure that there is continuous cleaning.
0: Of the major nodes, especially from a tourism perspective. Look, Thank you very much for joining us, SA Tourism CEO in the Eastern Cape. We'll move across to KZN, Limpopo, and the Free State. And if there are any more hidden germs in the Eastern Cape, you can still write into us, 34701, and uh, give us a call, 0891 and Anne is holding on. I'm going to take us straight after your news headlines and Rowena Bird. So stay tuned. Let's let's go to those news headlines now with Kirit Lama.
5: Thanks, Darshan At the news at eight thirty, a recap of your stories this morning, NUMSA General Secretary Owen Jim will continue delivering his annual report this morning to the Union Special Congress in Bogsburg on Karting's East Rand amid appeals on members to consider a call on President Jacob Zuma to resign. The HAL Professions Council is today expected to deliver its judgment in the case of apartheid-era chemical warfare expert Dr. Voter The organization was probing Besson's conduct in a secret biological and chemical warfare research project, which it says violated international protocols and conventions. The bogus sign language interpreter at former President Nelson Mandela's memorial service in Johannesburg a week ago says he has interpreted for years at big events for the government and the ANC. Archbishop Emeritus Desmond Tutu has questioned the leading role handed to the ANC for Nelson Mandela's funeral, saying their former president would have been appalled at the Afrikaans' community, speaking community's exclusion. And more European countries will soon send troops to support a French-African mission to restore order in the Central African Republic. Details on these at more at 9.
3: On S A F M. Well, anyone that's uh, moving into Pretoria this morning using Atterbury Road, very heavy delays through uh, Ferry Glen. You'd be advised to either move to Limwood Road or Chassfontein Road uh, to get through that. Got some spectator traffic making its way in towards the Wanderers. Call it Drive closed, and it will be every day in front of the stadium from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. Uh, for the duration of the test. So you've got that closure and the need to divert, but you've now got some of the uh, first sort of spectator volumes coming in and uh, slow from the the Mike One Highway from the ramps and on to Corlett Drive and going through towards the uh, Wanderers Stadium. Uh, Durban's had a good run this morning. No major, major problems on the highways. The N2 through Gateway, if you're heading towards the airport, even moving uh, very nicely, and that's a bit strange to say for this time of morning. Uh, Cape Town, vehicle fire on the M5 at Kenilworth, basically sorted out. Traffic is a little bit uh, slow, but it's all moving through. N1 Old Oak Road down to Durban Road is uh, busy and queuing traffic on the uh, Weinberg Hill coming into uh, uh, up towards Rhodes Avenue. as well. Um, Apart from that, it's been a pretty good run uh, on the roads this morning. If you are travelling long distance, the good news is a lot of the construction works have been lifted.